You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This program is intended for all those who want to create a culture of life in the United States. We've been bringing you since May of 2013 the latest news in the pro-life movement. And we bring you up to date with what's going on, what's happening. And very often we have guests on our program and we have a tremendous guest here today. And we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. But before we get into today's program, I want to ask you to say a Hail Mary with me to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those who are involved with or listening to this program so that we will receive the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you begin a new activity during the day, to ask our Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on what you are doing so that it will turn out the way God wants it to turn out. We have a, an exciting show for you today. Um, this is January, and January is the usually traditionally the, uh, the month of pro-life marches and pro-life walks across the United States. It, under the original schedule today, would have been the the uh, March for Life in Washington D.C. Um, a you know a activity that usually attracts hundreds of thousands of people to D.C. Because of what's happening in D.C. today, because of the pandemic, the March for Life is still going on today, but it is a virtual event, and uh, and it's it's beginning right now in in uh, in D.C. with some opening remarks and speeches and stuff. But while all of that is going on, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had um, a young lady on our program who was talking about the March for Life Chicago and the plans that they had out there to do something absolutely different this year than what they had ever done before. And today we have her boss, the executive director of We Dignify. His name is Kevin Grillo. And uh, we want to bring Kevin on the show and find out what happened because uh, their marches were last week and the week before. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Jim, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on. We, we were all excited uh, when Anna Kinski a couple of weeks ago told us, you know, what your plans were and what you were hoping to do and all the various things, as I remembered, it, it was seven cities and five states over a period of a couple of weeks, and it sounded like a very aggressive program. And uh, I just had to have you back on and say, how did it do? So we're going to start that. But before we do that, uh, whenever I have a new guest on the show, I always like to ask them how they got involved in the pro-life movement. It kind of lets my audience know who they're listening to. And so, Kevin, if you would please tell us, how did you get involved in the pro-life movement? Well, Jim, I think I can blame it on my parents, really, and my mom. <laughs> she has, for, for decades, had worked in lobbying, both on the federal and state level, in the pro-life movement in Illinois. And then 
also has been involved in a baby food drive every year. And so she would, I, at the time, back in grade school, it meant I could get out of class for a day and help deliver food, and I got lunch out to eat. So at that time, my motivation <laughs> was a little off from what it is now. Uh, but my mom's influence and my, my family's influence in supporting life really played into early involvement. And then also in college, we started to do a lot of work uh, on on campus and then helping actually create an endowment for pregnant and parenting students at the school I went to. And it kind of launched from there into continued effort and support. From For me, I think family roots are really where I got started, though. Well, that is, that is fantastic. Uh, certainly, you know, one of the messages we do give to uh, parents is, you know, raise your children upright and, and uh, get them involved early. Um, getting a day out of school is not a bad idea either. Uh, if, if you can arrange that, that seems to get the kids interested. Um, so that's terrific. And I know you, you were involved in the pro-life movement for a while, and then you started. I, well, I shouldn't say that because I don't know. How did you get involved with We Dignify? Yeah, so uh, John Paul Denton started the organization back in 2006 out of a dorm room at the University of Illinois, uh, actually at the Newman Center here in Champaign, Illinois, and with the idea of not only building up groups, but how do we mentor and how do we create longer-term uh, leaders, the long-term trajectory. And so he pulled me in a couple of years later to working full-time at the time, and things have built since then. We have a, a mentor program with We Dignify where we mentor students into skilled, virtuous, pro-life leaders and looking at formation as well as small group program where they learn in small group settings with some curriculum and lesson plans that we're able to provide. There's a lot of ownership that the students have, but then developing and fostering a relationship that sets them for long-term involvement, not just in college, but much farther down the road into leadership roles. So those things got me pulled in really at the time, and I love working with college students, love the opportunity to help help shape at such a formative time of their involvement. Well, that's fantastic. And, and uh, you, you work uh, primarily in Illinois, is that correct? Yeah, with the mentoring and small groups, primarily in Illinois. However, with our involvement in the March for Chicago, especially, we've actually been involved since uh, Cardinal George instructed one of his staffers to pull different organizations together back in 2013, and we had the first meeting then, and I've really had an honor to, to be a part of it for so long, and now in a specific leadership role where we're able to help build up in the Midwest as well. Oh, fantastic. I mean, we need, we need work. Uh, we need pro-lifers out there, but we need pro-lifers in critical areas. And certainly uh, the state of Illinois is one where they seem to like killing every baby that they can. I think, yeah, we definitely have. I mean, this has been referred to as the abortion oasis of the Midwest. Chicago and Illinois as a whole have now, it's, abortion is considered a constitutional right in the state constitution and is serving, in fact, many abortion clinics have been opened uh, near the borders of states or neighboring states to attract people over from there. So this is definitely the place where a lot of abortions are happening and the, the value of the unborn child is really very non-existent when it comes to the state laws and regulations. All right. And I know you've been involved in the March for Life in Chicago for some time. Uh, but last year, I understand that you guys took it over in terms of you were given the responsibility to organize the whole thing, to run the whole thing, and then again this year. And maybe you could just give us a, a little view of what's changed between 
uh, March for Life uh, Chicago last year and how you did it and what you did and then what's happening this year with this pandemic going on. Sure. I mean, back in, I want to trace back a little context. Sure. To 2013, there was about 150 people that existed and was then called the March by Chicago. And it was a format that was on sidewalks. It was a smaller crowd. There's a bullhorn that set up. But from, from that point to then mobilizing and organizing, up to 20, in 2020, in January of 2020, we tried to 9,000 people for the March and the Rally. So we went from 150 people to 9,000 in less than a decade. And that mo- momentum, where we really partnered last year with several organizations uh, to build a convention to go along with the thousands. So there's lots of inspired and energetic people, but we wanted to move from inspired to involved. And we were hoping for 20 organizations to come out to the convention. We had over 40 in an overflow room. And we were really swamped with people. I mean, thousands of people were trying to get into the convention. So we had planned at that time in February of 2020. We were like, this is wonderful. The first convention we had done, people that came from 13 different states, really throughout the Midwest and, and even farther, were interested in building this up. So that, that gave us a great opportunity. And, Jim, we were really looking forward to year two of a convention. <laughs> and as you know, the idea of packing thousands of people into one room right now or into one inside environment is, is not possible. That led to a lot of discernment about there were some options about just doing something local or paring down. We knew the environment in Chicago would be very difficult to create any kind of permits or access to things. We still tried for them, but were rejected, which we kind of some ways saw coming. And and with that, in September, we really did a lot of prayer and discernment, and that led us to a tour. So while we love that in 2020, in January 2020, the Midwest kind of came to us with convention. We felt called to go out to people across the Midwest to be able to bring that message to them and provide format, a way that they could be involved. And that evolved into the Moving the Movement Tour. We ended up doing six stops in four different states. So every weekend in January, we were on the move uh, across. We ended up traveling, I think, the, the van that we had wrapped and designed so everyone knew where we were at. That ended with over... 3,300 miles on it by the time we returned it. So that's enough to go across the country and then some. And we we held car rallies at each stop and then a car procession. So like Mundelein, or Madison, Wisconsin was our first stop on January 2nd. And from there we held a, a car rally with, and that processed through the Capitol and around the Capitol building. So like people would carry signs, in a march and, and go to prominent places, they were able to transform to do that still just in the in their cars. So it was a much different experience, but really built momentum. I see. And, and I'm, I'm interested in logistics. So if, if I ask two detailed questions, just let me know. But um, did that require you to get uh, permits from the, let's say you, you're talking about Madison. Did, did you have to get permits and did police close down intersections and stuff for you? Or, or how did that work? Each location was a little bit different. So, yeah, the logistics was we took one event in one city and times it by six. So there were, there were quite a few logistics associated with it. Some of the permits we were able to get, others we were not. Um, so the car caravan, the element of processing through, sometimes it would get broken up a little bit or stretched out. But then actually it would create more visibility as you know waves of cars came through highly visible places. Uh, at the Capitol of Madison, it was, it was nice because that, you can just, it's easy to circle that location there. Um, some of the other stops in Omaha or 
in Fort Wayne, we are able to go through highly trafficked locations or near shopping centers so that you can really make that. Because what we wanted to do is bring that message to the people and, and do it so in a public way. And so the routes we were able to select and navigate allowed for not just being like, oh, they're at a church here and kind of secluded, but to bring to go forth and bring that message out. And Omaha was actually the rowdiest procession we, we did. They were every stop honking the horns, hazard lights were going, sunroofs were open, signs were hanging out the window, and they were waving to people with the mixed reactions, some positive, some rather negative. But that, that was kind of the point, though, to, to be very visible and, and witnessed for life. So even though the, the method changed some, the principle and the purpose stayed consistent. Well, that's, that sounds fantastic. And uh, were people, you know, uh, I'm going to use the word allowed. I don't know that that's the right word, but could people bring any signs they wanted? Like at the March for Life, people will bring all kinds of signs. They make up their own signs um, for for this kind of a thing. Um, were there set signs like like there there is for, you know, some of the events or were people just free to make up their signs? Some of both. We had people, and, and even beyond that, some cars were using like car paint. So their whole car was assigned then. I oh. could write <laughs> pro-life messages oh, wow. across of it. <laughs> some were limited to windows. Some went on their side of their door. So, so really, they, they ran with it, especially as it built and people heard more of it. So by the time we got to Chicago on the sixth stop, there were all kinds of signs. But we also did provide some designed signs uh, that said, love them both or I march for life. So there's a consistent imaging, but people, as, as they do with almost every march, it's great to see some creative signs, too, that people were able to make and, and bring out. I think with the, you mentioned the, where, how, how the police or the permits, uh, in Chicago at first we, we were expecting you know, some challenges with that, and, but the police ended up, it was a great escort. That procession was over 20 miles long was the route. Wow. We, that was our largest attendance. We went from just over 100 in Madison to over 500 cars processing through downtown Chicago. And so the volume was massive, so the police actually really helped out and es- provided an escort through the city, through the loop, down Michigan Avenue, and, and really helped to line up. And if you can imagine trying to pack 500 cars and you line them up in the city streets, <laughs> it was bumper-to-bumper traffic, because when you put that many cars together, even if you lined them all, all up bumper-to-bumper, you're going to be over two miles long. So we had... Some, some logistical challenges, if you can imagine, with that. But if that's our problem of too many people showing up, I mean, what a, what a blessing, an outpouring of, of the desire of people who want to show that they stand for life, especially right now. Well, that is fantastic. I mean, um, you know, like you said, two miles worth of cars spread out, um, you know, over many more miles because of distances between the cars. But just to have all of that happen on one day, I know, um, you know, you had people show up at a church or something in, in where the beginning of the march was, and then they all took off from there. And, um, you know, in Chicago, I'm talking about, um, you know, what are some of the interesting things that uh, that happened you know, at, during this? I'm, I'm sure that there were some things that you hadn't anticipated. Oh, that we had not anticipated? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that you had. Maybe maybe you, <laughs> maybe you, you were great enough to... to you know, figure out everything. Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, how, how did it all go? I really got to love the, the team. I have an incredible, young, energetic, and ambitious team. And I know you, you heard from Anna earlier, and, and her inspiration and, and excitement carries through. So they're really willing to take on things. Like in, 
in mass and when the the audio wasn't working on the live stream we were able to pivot just uh, using a phone and and doing that and the speakers that were outside were loud enough it was able to catch speakers because we had people listening you know watching virtually as well as listening to an FM transmitter in their car that we could communicate uh, to the car so people were turning on on the radio in their car and but then when the audio wasn't working we had to, to do some pivots to make that work in fact it was a little behind the scenes but we had to in some cases to make technology work we had to uh, use a hair tie for some hand war- with the hand warmers to keep the technology warm enough <laughs> while it was outside for long periods of time. Um, an external battery charger was very helpful and other pieces like that. That we just, when you're outside for that, that long of time, proved challenging. Uh, another, with the car procession getting stretched out or like an accordion, we wanted to help people uh, be able to know that they were a part of it and, and going together because not every place we could get entire intersections shut down or things like that. And so as it grew, we learned different things about, okay, if you include, if you turn your hazard lights on, that helps everyone be able to see. Or in Chicago, we taped signs, but there are paper signs at the back of windows. And so everyone could see the sign, know that they were, uh, every car had the same one in the top left window. So they could see, oh, I'm still a part of it. Or I'm found, I found them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, one thing that we, had, we were really grateful with Wisconsin was there were several organizations that came out there and, and they taught us something. Because we we took on with this tour the idea of uh, a massive diaper drive. Because in the Midwest, there's 130,094 abortions occur in one year. And we wanted a way to recognize those lives, but also to encourage people to choose life in such an uncertain time. Because anytime there's uncertainty and a crisis that can drive people to want a quick resolution. But we wanted to provide a, a tangible sign of our support for every every courageous mother or a parent that is looking to choose life for their child, we wanted to encourage them and move them towards that. So diaper, we launched a diaper drive to raise 130,094 diapers, which seemed like an astronomical number at first. And one of the ideas we thought, okay, great, we'll just collect them all and then have one really big picture at the end. <laughs> Jim, do you know how much space 130,000 <laughs> diapers takes up? <laughs> I can guess, but not exactly, but yeah. Let's just say it doesn't fit in one vehicle, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so one of the things we learned early on was that each stop, we would collect them all, take a picture, count them, but then we partnered with pregnancy resource centers in that community. So we would divide it, and that way each stop we were supporting the community that we were in, and people came out with the diapers in a big way that way. So rather than trying, I think we would need to end up needing a couple of semis by the end of this to carry them all around. <laughs> we were able to directly give it to resource centers that could get them in the hands of the people that needed them right away. So that was another, from concept to implementation, certainly a lesson learned on that one. Yeah, one of the things that as as you're describing what's going on here and as you're describing the, the, the different cities that you went to, uh, one of the things that strikes me about this is the cooperation that must have occurred between all of the various pro-life groups, because you don't just run this thing in, in six different cities um, from some central point. You've got to have all kinds of support from local pro-life groups of you know every stripe uh, to make something like this come off. And it sounds like uh, to me that you got it. Yeah, I, I think that was really quite the blessing to be able to partner and, and many of them the relationships were brand new that we were creating and reaching out because people were at a point where they had had events canceled or opportunities canceled and they, they didn't know what to do or it just came back, okay, well, this is where we're at. So when we came around with the concept, 
the organizations that we partnered with, we were able to give like, oh, here's some structure. Like, especially when it came to like speakers, it was really awesome to see people at each level of like, okay, this is a Northeast Indiana right to life representative, or this is a statewide rep, uh, you know, like, and build up from there all the way. So from us doing a tour all over, we certainly could not have done it without local, state, uh, some national groups coming on board at all these levels. And we ended up with over 40 organizations involved in helping plan and, and bring it forth and benefiting over 20 pregnancy resource centers as we went throughout. So the, the level of, of support and involvement, yeah, just on a logistical support and speakers and, and involvement, you're absolutely right. Some of these, I mean, we went to Omaha, which is 500 miles away from Chicago. No one would have come out if we, <laughs> if we didn't have the yeah. different partners there, you know, like, who are you guys? What do you do? What's the March by Chicago doing here? Like, they, the connectivity. Right. But people desire to be united at a time like this, and they want something tangible to do and a way to participate. So the Archdiocese of Omaha was wonderful to work with out there. We had several different groups. The Abortion Dialogue Academy had a great speaker named Jet who came and spoke. We also had some uh, Pastor Les Beecham from the LifeGate uh, Church out in Omaha. And so we took it. I mean, Jim, it was normally we have about eight speakers total. For, for the rally, but by doing all these different rallies, people heard from 30 different speakers throughout the whole tour. That some people tuned in each weekend, you know, to watch, and so the volume of speakers was so much more, but it was great to be able to elevate so many different pro-life voices throughout it. Well, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Now, you mentioned speakers. So, okay, you, you've got all these pro-lifers in cars with signs driving around. Where do the speakers fit in? How, how do they listen yeah. to speak? Yeah, the first several events that we either set up, there were like Madison was at an Alliant Energy Center, which is a local convention center in Madison. So everyone was in a parking lot there. We built a stage and a backdrop and a podium, and so people could collect the diapers. One of the things we also learned was, hey, let's uh, we needed some help collecting all those diapers. The cars would park, they would check in and open their trunks. We'd grab the diapers and moving them up. There was quite a bit of snow that first weekend, so we had kids with sleds actually pulling the diapers in to the front of the stage. Uh, when in Wisconsin, you know, they're, they're used to the snow, so that didn't hold them back one bit. And it was wonderful to see these high schoolers pulling sleds of mounted-up boxes of diapers up to the front of the stage. So there they would arrive at park. The speakers could take turns on stage at the rally portion. So just like you would attend a rally in the past in person and stand next to people, and this time you just parked next to people. And through audio system and an FM transmitter, you could hear what the speakers were saying at the rally. And they were, just like every time, it's, it's wonderful for speakers to stand out in the cold. You know, they, they didn't miss that part. <laughs> all of that was outside um, for almost all of the tourist stops. We, we did that format. And then since they had all pulled in together, we could uh, ushers could help for the car procession right after. Uh, Indiana was our, our fifth stop in Indianapolis. And that was an interesting stop because... Indiana had only, they were going to march, and actually they had been able to hold outside events for several months leading up to this. And then just six days before their event, the Indiana Department of Health said you cannot have this event. So they were able to pivot to the car procession right away with us, uh, as opposed to marching, and they were able to make that move. But a lot of people were you know, not familiar with it because a little bit of whiplash happening. However, that didn't stop them. Indianapolis alone brought out over 31,000 diapers. Wow. That day. So that, that was one of those incredible partnerships with uh, Indianapolis Right to Life. 
they they really built up and they had worked with a, a different diocese there, but also lots of different churches and schools to bring out diapers. And so so people could tune in from there. They would you know park next to each other, tune in, and then drive from there after the speakers were done and sent them off. So a little, a little different than marching, but still a, a similar impact of being able to hear, be inspired, learn something, and then go forth in order to work throughout the year. Well, that's, I mean, absolutely fantastic uh, that you're able to do all of these things. Let me, let me just ask, I know it probably isn't the top, one of the top things you, uh, you want to talk about, but um, did, did you have any real opposition? Did you run into pro-aborts who tried to sabotage what you were doing? Every year we're going to have opposition <laughs> in what form <laughs> it takes. And I, I think that is in some ways a, a challenge, but also a reminder of the importance of speaking up. And because if you just stay in an echo chamber and or just with everyone you agree that agrees with you, then you're not getting out and helping impact those and help change minds. So in Madison, I know we had several people out when we were driving around the Capitol yelling at us. Or, um, and you can imagine some of the choice words they had for us at that time. I, I think one of the big things was by the time we got to Chicago, around St. John, Kansas, with this church we all met on the near north side in Chicago, and the night before, a group of people had put up signs all over the neighborhood about abortion on demand without apology. And so that was, I mean, people were, it's clear that people were seeing us coming, they knew it, and there was opposition to it. One person had showed up at one of the events with a bullhorn that had to be escorted out by the police there. So there was challenges along the way and certainly opposition, which is not different than each year, but a continued reminder of the importance of what we're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, I mean, um, now Chicago itself, I know you talked about the number of, of cars. Was there any kind of a rally or anything in Chicago or how, how did Chicago work? Yeah, Chicago was one of the most complicated ones to figure out because you're right, we could not all park everyone together. In fact, we looked at into the largest parking lot in, in Chicago, in the city and downtown and like McCormick Place did not get back to us. Soldier Field had a cap on 400 cars and was going to cost a ridiculous amount of money. So it was going to be cost prohibitive. So in that place, people actually tuned in, kind of like they are doing now, to listen to the radio or to, there was a call-in number and a live stream. So for Chicago, it was a, both the procession and the rally were happening at the same time. So families would gather in their car, their minivan, sometimes their 12-passenger van, that would take up a little bit more room <laughs> in the procession. And they, these households could hear, we held for about an hour and 45 minutes. We had over 10 speakers come through and, and teach on whether it be what's going on with federal legislation and policy right now or Illinois-specific or testimonies or a young woman who chose life came. And so in that case in Chicago, we did have a, we set up a, a studio at the pregnancy center that everyone drove to and had different interviews throughout that people could tune in on the radio and call in from their cars, or they could watch the live stream for those who are watching at home. Well, uh, fantastic. Now, um, you know, we, we've talked about the, the logistics of this. We've talked about the fact that the, uh, uh, you know, the car processions and, and you actually had a police escort there in Chicago because of the well, just overwhelming number of cars that you had. Now, were people signing up so that you, knew that you were going to have, you know, uh, 20 cars or 100 cars or 400 cars or whatever, or was that all a surprise? Some was a surprise, but a lot of people registered at marchbychicago.org, so we were able to direct everyone to that website. 
so they could find out who the tour speaker, you know, at each, each event has a, had a different time or, you know, specific instructions on, okay, we're meeting at this address or this is the timetable. And so everyone was, would go to marchbychicago.org and register for a tour stop. And they could also, at that time, if they wanted to not bring their diapers, they could donate online for the diaper drive or they could, hey, I want, I don't want to make some signs. Can you send me some signs? And so we, we distributed or mailed boxes of signs because many groups that used to be, maybe they used to take a bus to our event or bring a bus of people. They pivoted to being a caravan captain. And so there's still me at their local church or a shopping center parking lot and they distribute the signs we had mailed to them. And then they would all drive to the event together. So it would kind of stretch out the visibility even more. Uh, so that there was a, these opportunities for involvement that we were able to centralize in one, but, I tell you what, I think the, maybe this is, I don't know if this is pro-lifers everywhere, but there was certainly a lot of last-minute sign-ups and, and registration. <laughs> yeah. So we we did not know the volume because we were floored. Uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago really helped out with Mundelein, which is just about 40 miles north of downtown Chicago. And that event was on the, the Sunday before we were back in Chicago, so about seven days ahead of time. And the volume of attendance almost doubled on registration just a couple of days you know, three or four days out. So mm-hmm. we ended up with over 250 cars there and, and registered. And so we were, sometimes we're like, I don't know if anyone's going, you know, there's definitely an uncertainty. Whenever you're doing something brand new or whenever you're pivoting to a, a new concept to try and overcome the hurdles or challenges, it's, will people go with us on it? And we were, we're humbled by the flood of, we thought, oh, 250 cars, this is incredible. Uh, this is, and at the time, Registration for Chicago was less than that. And then, of course, the week of, everyone's like, yep, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. So and we're talking to, to the police at different times and giving them an update. And at first, it was like, oh, well, there'd be about a couple hundred cars. And then there's going to be 300, and then 400, and then 500. And the momentum was just, just overwhelming in a such a, a wonderful way to have so many people come out. And overall, we ended up with, if you look at the whole tour as a concept, I mean, we had 9,000 people marching in 2020. This year, we had 8,000 people participate, whether they were watching virtually during one of the tour stops or they came out in their cars and, and were involved. So when there are so many challenges this year, to be able to still reach thousands of people was such a blessing and, and something that was truly inspired because otherwise, this kind of event, you know, like there are so many things that have been canceled this year or changed, but to be able to reach out. And that goes all the way down to, I, I know one of our, our smaller stops was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and, but then one of the ladies who came out to volunteer, her name was Rosie. And she said, she was so appreciative of it. And she said, kept saying, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And I'm like, well, we're glad you're here. But she said, you know, since the pandemic started, there wasn't an opportunity for me to be involved in anything. But you've given me an avenue to do something. And she was so excited about it, which kind of drives at the heart of what we were doing. We wanted to move people forward, give them an avenue that they could participate and not just be stuck in the mud and something that everyone could have a hand in. So I, the response to, to have a similar number of participants, despite all the changes in format and timing and logistics, was such an incredible opportunity that we're, I think we're still digesting. We're still, <laughs> did this really happen, Jim? <laughs> like, did, did, did we really, you know, we're at a point where we, our team has just been humbled and still trying to, and, and still hearing some of the success stories of, of people writing us letters thanking us. Or, you know, when you're marching, you can see the faces more. You can see that right. visible impact, but now we're hearing from different families of my wife and I loved being able to have our children participate in this. Thank you so much. Or, you know, like at the time when we were doing the rally, the speakers at the rally 
had a unique challenge because instead of looking at eyes or seeing any kind of uh, facial response, they just saw windshields <laughs> with a glare on it. So <laughs> they were just talking to windshields. But then now we're starting to hear in the survey responses or, or back from participants who are saying, mailing us a note or a picture and saying, my family really appreciated this, or I'm so excited. I'm going to be even more active in the pro-life movement now. And those have started to come in in ways that we didn't know or didn't anticipate having, having created. We just wanted to go after this and say, what can we do? At a time when so many people are saying, well, we can't do this, we can't do that. What can we do? And we went full force after it. Well, I, I just admire your creativity. Um, the way that you took a situation that, uh, you know, people are facing all around the country. And, uh, you know, we've tried to keep up here with, with various events going on in various cities and what's happening. My thinking, an ideal solution to a very bad situation. Um, and I, I didn't know that you, you had over 8,000 there and, and actually wound up, you know, with the same amount of participation as you did last year. Um, when it was, you know, a speech and a walk in, in uh, uh, a convention center. So uh, certainly uh, God bless what you were doing. Yeah, and I think that we really saw that too also with the, the diaper drive. And I mentioned our goal was 130,094 diapers. And when we did our first stop in Madison, we got 8,000 diapers. And we thought, this is great, there's thousands of diapers. But as the stops went on, we kind of got a little nervous about maybe we set that goal too high. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a moment about a week into it that we thought, are we really going to get there? But then Mundelein had over 23,000 diapers. Indianapolis had 31,000 diapers. And by the time we got back to Chicago, we couldn't believe there were over 48,000 diapers given in hand, not to mention the, the donations online for diapers. So we actually, I'm thrilled to share with you that instead of raising 130,000 diapers, we, the, the whole tour brought about 156,518 diapers to 20 pregnancy resource centers. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. So people respond. So they not only wanted to come out in their car, they wanted to do something and you gave them something to do. Fantastic. You got it. That's right at the heart. There are so many people that right now that are yearning to make a difference in the movement and to have the outpoint of support in this way it really shows that. I think the, the Midwest is kind of heartland in some of the, the farming communities and the hard work and the, the value of family and to see families coming out by the car loads but then to support other families. I think abortion strikes at the heart of the family, and so to have families building up one, one box of diapers at a time, it's a beautiful example to, to show their kids, have their kids participate, and who knows? I mean, that's having my parents involved really shaped our trajectory and the leadership that we're doing. So I, I don't know who's coming next after this. You know, who's, who are the leaders that were in the car? Oh, yeah, I remember I was in the, the backseat of the minivan. You know, who are we, who we going to hear about in 10 years? That, oh, yeah, that was really strange, but... We did it, and we got out there, and it was different. But I'm glad to be back marching now, but that really shaped to show the commitment and continued perseverance. At the heart of the pro-life movement, there's such a desire for sacrifice because all, everyone's moving for, for another person. It's not to benefit themselves. So they really showed it here with this participation. Well, I, I think so, and I think um, you know, going forward, let's, let's assume that this whole pandemic thing is going to be over with um, at some point. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to return to marches and stuff. Uh, but I think, you know, what you've proven is that this is a viable way to demonstrate support for the preborn children. And maybe those communities that, you know, were not having rallies before because maybe the weather, you know, maybe, maybe you know, people, um, you know, in areas that really have severe weather, 
um, and and couldn't you know organize outside rallies and stuff. It, you've shown them an alternative. Um, you know, I hope you you write this up. I I know you know you've been through it. You you know right now you're you're exhausted at, at going through it. But I would love it if if you could write this stuff up and uh, and make it available for people. Like here is an alternative way to uh, to do the annual March for Life um, if you can't physically get out and march. Um, I think so many people would, would would love that and appreciate it. You know, like Joe Scheider, um early in his uh, career wrote a book on you know ninety nine ways to close um, the, the abortion facilities. Uh, you know, maybe you guys could could publish something um, that says, you know, alternative ways to hold the annual marches and uh, and, you know, recall some of what you did and, and give some advice and, and pull on, on what you you've learned, because I think it would be very valuable. And if you ever had such a book put together, uh, let me know about it, because I would love to have it on this program and love to push it to people um, to to just give people an alternative. You mentioned Joe Shadow, and it's really important to recognize him and pray for his soul and the repose of his soul and his family. He had such an astronomical impact on the pro-life movement. And to be mentioned, the same concept of, like, I, I don't know if we're at the 99 ways yet at that level, but we're certainly willing to help anyone who's who's working to get people activated and motivated and show their witness for life and, and get out and about in unique ways or innovative ways. And, and I'm happy to help out with that. And we can send over a press release, too, on on this, you're right that we are a little tired. My team's a little worn out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, my wife did walk me back a little bit. I like to sometimes I get too energetic on this stuff, and that said, "Oh, we'll just go on tour for all 30 days or something." And she said, "Wait, wait, wait a minute. You cannot. <laughs> we have three kids. <laughs> the oldest is just about six years old." And she said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So that walked back to just four weekends in a row. But still, that I mean, we are traveling every weekend. So our team is digging out right now. But we're, I mean, we're excited to soak it in, rest, recuperate, but certainly happy to help out anyone who is looking for involvement in the pro-life movement and getting the message out and, and helping to reach reach people. I think the tour, the, the, the car rallies has been a unique experience. I don't know if people have gotten too comfortable now, now that they can come to something with the heat turned on <laughs> in their car. <laughs> we did have to jumpstart a couple of batteries <laughs> afterwards. You know, I like, didn't really think we were doing that at the march, but the, they didn't run their engine during sitting in the cold and they just ran the heat. So eventually their battery died and yeah, no one was sure. hurt in it. No incidences in that way. So we're very blessed for the safety of all the participants throughout. We are, we are looking forward to a convention on January 8th in 2022 back in Chicago. So there is momentum back towards a return to some, some things that people are used to provide. We can do it, but you're absolutely right. that This is not a difficult model to replicate or, or ways to be involved. And we love that. I mean, we had, Babies and toddlers all the way through, you know, from from the beginning of life to the end of life, people were involved with this. And that's something that we are very humbled to see all different stages of life out and stepping up for life. Well, that's, that's fantastic. You know, I, it occurs to me we have not yet given uh, my audience ways to contact you uh, and your organization, uh, websites, email addresses, phone numbers, whatever you want to give out. So if you could take a few minutes and, and just tell people how to get in touch with, with you and, you know, your permanent organization, We Dignify, uh, to, if they want to find out more. So there's two websites for the wedignify.org, just the word we, and then dignify.org. has a website on a lot of what's happening on our student campus level and what our mentor program is up to in small groups there. 
But if you're also looking for the March by Chicago and what's happening next year or what, want to see what happens at some of the stops, you can go to marchforlifechicago.org. Both of those have contact forms, or you can just email info at marchforlifechicago.org or info at wedignify.org. Those are great avenues at a starting point. We've been in touch with thousands of people this year and thousands actually of new people this year. So th- there are lots of people reaching out and involved in this, and we'd love to hear from you from wherever you are because uh, this is something, a movement that we keep moving forward on. So marchforlifechicago.org and wedignify.org are the best ways there. That's great. That's great. And uh, certainly, you know, you, you've shown, uh, as I've said it earlier on the show, a lot of creativity, a lot of um, ways to, uh, to, you know, take a bad situation and, and make something exceptional out of it. And, uh, and you did it in, in these six different cities and um, in four states. Is that what you said? Yeah. And we ended up with six cities, four states, over 3,000 miles. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, and 8,000 people. Yeah, 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 eight thousand. Rather incredible that to see a similar turnout. But making a bad, you know, like some people, it's just similar to when it comes down to people choosing life. Oftentimes they're in difficult, challenging situations. But the beauty of sacrifice and and creativity can bring about tremendous joy. And that's what we want to teach everyone that we're going to, as well as bring forth the joy and the love for life that really exudes through so many young people that are stepping up. And and we want that message to go wide and far for how we celebrate life. Fantastic. And of course, we can't forget about the uh, 150,000 diapers that, uh, <laughs> that, you, <laughs> yeah. that, you're now, that you're now storing in your basement. No, I'm only kidding. Yeah. Well, no, they went straight to the resource center. So thankfully, we are, they're storing them now. But some of those garages are already starting to empty out as they disperse them to different clients or people in need. I think if, if you wanted to see some pictures of diapers, you can also go to the Facebook page, org. does have the live streams. Uh, if you look us up on Facebook, you can actually see the different rally programs from each stop, and you can see pictures of the diapers and see what just, you know, what does a mound of diapers look like? Well, it's more and more and more mounds <laughs> throughout. Oh, fantastic. Well, I, I am so excited, Kevin, that you were able to come on the show uh, today and to let us know how things went and, and certainly uh, a very positive story on, on all the things that happened. And uh, we, we congratulate you on that. And um, let me give you another minute or two for any final message that you would like to give to, to my audience. Oh, Jim, I think it's great to have me on. I appreciate it. We're humbled to be able to talk to new people throughout. And I think if you're listening at home right now, the takeaway would really be in the face of adversity or challenges, how can you find the solutions and stay focused on the purpose of, of reaching people with this message? So yeah, we use a lot of creativity at each stop of the way and, and there were weeks that were very challenging to be creative, but prayer, asking for the Spirit to, to direct you, all of those things, but not giving up on the hope and passion for life and finding a way. So we can't just, if you're listening and have been frustrated by the dynamics or are definitely seeing what's going on in, on a policy level right now, if you, we can't just take that into anger, but we have to turn that into how do we bring forth love for life and find ways to make an impact in where you're at. Uh, great message. Great message. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, Kevin. And um, I'm sure we're going to have you back on here again in the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great day. Uh, you too. Uh, that was Kevin Grillo, uh, who is with an organization called We Dignify, who um, their primary purpose is, is uh, to work on college campuses in Illinois, uh, saving babies and, and helping students. 
Uh, but for the last two years, they've been the lead group for March for Life Chicago. Uh, and as you, you've heard here last year, it was a typical convention, you know, speakers speak, everybody goes to a convention center. And this year, it's completely different. Uh, and as it wound up, they had about the same number of people both years, just in completely different formats. And uh, when we heard about this a couple of weeks ago, we just thought it was so fantastic. And we're just so happy we were able to, to have Kevin on today to tell us the results. Because often we, we get to tell you, you know, this is what's planned, but you, you don't get to hear how it turned out. Well, now we know, and it was a fantastic success. Thanks be to God. And, and you know, Kevin expressed it, you know, thanking God all the way through. And then 150,000 individual diapers for pregnancy resource centers and uh, just just absolutely fantastic. So uh, it was our honor to have Kevin on. Um, and, and, you know, he illustrated the root of this. It's a family. It's families together going to fight against abortion, going to help save babies. Right. It's, you know, parents. Yes. But parents bring their children. And, you know, Kevin you know, explained that he was a product of parents bringing their children to do pro-life work and look at look at what's come of this and so if, if if i have to leave you with a message today we have we had some other things we wanted to cover but this has been such an uplifting um talk today and and so much wonderful stuff going on that we're going to leave all the bad stuff until next week um but we want to we want to leave the message families Right. This is what it's all about. And this is what the other side doesn't have. They kill their families. They kill their children. They can't go out with all their families because they don't have a lot of big families. Right. In fact, they fight to, for small family size. You know, we're going to win this battle only because we well, not only because, but one of the contributing factors is we got all the kids. We got all the future generations. This is this is fantastic, and and I congratulate everybody who is listening, who gets their families involved in the pro-life movement. Um, you know, it is it is the thing to do, and we have to always remember that children watch what you do, not necessarily what you say. And so, when they hear you talking about pro-life work, they get one message. But when they see you doing it, and when you invite them to participate in what you're doing, um, they get the real message. So I, I think we'll leave that as the, the end of today's show. And uh, we'll conclude our show the way we always do, and that is by asking our blessed mother, Mary, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.